Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, we have a very special episode for you guys. Um, It's definitely one of my favorite interview episodes because I think the topic is beyond fascinating. Uh, I'm bringing you Rob Pope. um, And Rob has accomplished something that most people would think is impossible he did the Forrest Gump run (laughs) you know the famous scene from the movie where Forrest Gump just goes running just starts running and then he starts running across the United States uh Rob did that so over the last um about a year and a half he ran across the United States five times and he ran over 15,000 miles uh it's incredible it's an incredible story um a few things that i think make it special is the fact that i think most people watch forrest gump i mean it's a classic it's on afi's top 100 movies uh you got tom hanks (laughs) and most people watch it and think I mean, at least I do, like, that scene, I'm like, oh, that's a fantasy scene. Like, he just starts running, and he just does that for a long, 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 long time. And it's fantastical. It's something that, well, in the whole movie, kind of, but that scene, particularly for me, I'm like, oh, that's something that no one, no one will ever do. And then Rob does it. So uh, I'm really extremely excited to bring you guys the story today. Uh, I want to just jump right into the episode, so uh, let's get to it. Make sure, guys, Rob's, Rob did it for a reason. Uh, he's supporting um, a couple different foundations, a couple different charities, the World Wildlife Fund and Peace Direct. Uh, excellent, I mean, excellent charities there, so go go make sure you support those. Um. You can find out everything about this story, everything about Rob at his website calling uh called goingthedistancerun.com or you can follow him on social media or Instagram at run.robla r o b l a dot run. Uh if this is your first like a Bigfoot episode, go back, check out the rest of them. Uh, we got a whole big archive, a lot of uh, various interviews that we've done over the last few years. So check that out at Like a Bigfoot, wherever you find podcasts and all of that. But let's get right into it. Uh, this is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 117 with the real life Forrest Gump, Rob Pope. So I'm here today with Rob Pope. Now, Rob, you did something that is incredibly unique because I'm pretty sure you're the only person in the whole entire world to take it on. But it's also something that like... Apart from the man himself, obviously. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's also something that like literally everybody knows about. So do you want to kind of get into into your last, uh, you know, couple years? Yeah, well, the, the man himself I'm referring to is a, a certain Forrest Gump. And so, yeah, o- over those last two years, I became the first person to actually uh, retrace the entire the, the route of his run. So, uh, 
So all the way from uh, from Alabama. So I started in Mobile rather than Greenbow because Greenbow doesn't exist. They made it up for the film. Um, and then basically crossed the country almost five times and uh, finished in Monument Valley in Arizona in April this year. That's amazing, man. That's so. And obviously you sound exactly like Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could do an impression, man, but it's awful. You know, it's <laughs> generally best just coming out sort of after a couple of beers, you know, sort of spontaneously. If I force it now, you'll, you'll wish you hadn't asked. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, I mean, man, first of all, Forrest Gump, like what is it about? Forrest Gump, the movie, but also just that specific montage that everybody connects to. Yeah, like, well, Forrest is just sort of an in- incredible character. You know, sort of, uh, everybody loves the underdog, don't they? And so um, he's just sort of such an unjudgmental person, you know, sort of uh, whether it stemmed from his background himself, you know, sort of he had, it, he had it tough, but he just got about his business. And as such, you know, sort of... Uh, he doesn't really sort of judge anyone like, you know, from the background or the race or anything like that. You know, certainly not intelligence. He just sort of judges people on the on the quality of the character, I think, you know. And so uh, he knows a wrong and when he sees one and uh, he knows a lot of kindness. And so I saw a lot of kindness on my run, which is great. <laughs> Hopefully they sort of channel that towards my Forrest Gump type character. That's awesome, man. Dude, I didn't I've never thought about the character that way but you're right it's like this human connection that he has with like every single person um yeah it's inspiring wow that's so that's so cool (laughs) Uh, i also have to tell you this so i teach middle school i teach seventh graders so like 13 year olds and i have a little experiment going on this is like my sixth year teaching and my experiment the thing i'm like observing every year i'm like i wonder if run forest run is still a joke you know, where they're like, run for us, run. And I have to tell you this week in my rugby club, a kid said, run for us, run. I'm like, it's still a joke. Turns out. <laughs> well, well, on my first like sort of, uh, I was sort of, I was running through, uh, I was just starting to become, I don't know if it was part of LA because LA just sort of splurges out, doesn't it? You know? And so I was running past this school and it must've been similar sort of, you know, seventh graders. And I ran past and, uh, I didn't have as much of a beard and I had pretty short hair at this point, but I did have the cap on, and so I just run past the school, and this kid's crossing the road, and he shouts, run, Forest, run out. Now, I just instantly stop and turn around and look to see where it's come from. Now, I think this was like a fairly sort of, you know, rough and ready area of LA, so when I stopped, he probably thought, oh, I'm in so much trouble, <laughs> and I just shouted over to him, like, he probably couldn't even understand my accent, and I just said, did you just shout run for us, run? And he just went, yeah. And so I jogged over to him and fortunately he didn't run off. He stayed put. And I just pointed to the cap and he's just like, man, you are Forrest Gump. And I was just like, not yet, not yet. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So what what brought about this idea? I mean, it's like I said, it's something that everybody's aware of. Everyone knows about Forrest Gump. Everyone knows about his run. And and yet, if, to me, it's like that scene in the movie is such a fantastical part of the movie where it's like, oh, man, I love I just it's something I can relate to as like almost like a myth. 
Yeah, they sort of. Uh, it wasn't that the whole idea wasn't born fully fledged, which is nice in a way, uh, because even though I just wasn't sitting in my house in England one day and I just thought, right, I'm getting on a plane and I'm going to Alabama. Yeah, I wanted to run across America for years, and you know, I'd read a, read a book and articles on the subject. Uh, and so it was in the course of uh, wanting to do something like special for charity. So, you know, Forrest was a mama's boy and so am I. Just like Forrest, my mum's not around anymore. And uh, she said to me like before she died to do one thing in your life that makes a difference. And, you know, that's a real big thing. You know, I wish she'd have sort of said, can you please run across America five times to make a difference? That would have made <laughs> yeah. it nice and easy. Um, and so my life just sort of just got to the point where I was thinking, oh, you know, I should really do that run across America thing, you know, and I was looked into a place of, you know, doing it for charity and stuff. And so I wanted to run for the World Wildlife Fund for nature um, just because it's something I really passionately believe in. And so I was thinking, let's do something special. So, you know, how many people have run across America before? And so there's not that many. It's about 300. But. When you consider there's been about 6,000 people who've climbed Everest, you know, sort of, um, it's still quite a small club, but it's not unique. Um, and then I thought, well, who's done it twice? Well, what can I do to make it cool? And, you know, you know, do you do it in some sort of silly costume or whatever like that? And so if you ask the average person in the street, you know, who doesn't know anything about track and field, you know, who's the best long distance runner of, of all time, you'll probably get someone say Forrest Gump, you know, and so... <laughs> We all know the film, as you said, it's so iconic, you know, that scene, he just gets up one day and goes. And so that was almost sort of my moment where it's just like, hey, this, you know, sort of an um So my getting up and going at that point was just thinking, well, could it be done? And so I did my research, looked into the route, looked into it. Had anybody ever done it before? It almost broke my heart when I read an article about six months before I was going to go about someone who it said in the papers had just completed the Forrest Gump run. And I was like, no, yeah. uh, but fortunately he'd only done the second leg of it, you know, sort of, uh, which is one that's got a lot of the iconic things in. And so I was like, right now or never. And uh, yeah, the shoes were on. That's awesome, man. So what, um, what are the legs of it? I mean, you talk about running cross five times and I know it ends in Monument Valley. I ran a race there uh, a couple of years ago and I remember, being up on that weird uh, kind of like, I guess, monument, that weird geologic yeah. feature that's behind him and looking at the road and being like, that's where Forrest Gump stopped running. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I started in Mobile, Alabama, because in the book that preceded the film, that's where Forrest was from. So at least it was a, you know, a set point. So I just chose uh, a house that looked the most similar to Forrest that I could find. And so I uh, set off from the Bragg Mitchell mansion, headed down to Bayou La Battery, where, of course, Bubba's from. And then gradually made my way across, like through the, you know, the southern states, like sort of uh, all the way across Texas, 890 miles of it. Um, And then, yeah, went down to Tombstone, Arizona, where I was there for election night in the saloon by where the uh, the OK Corral gunfight was, which seemed pretty appropriate at the time. Um, then headed up through Joshua Tree and finished that first leg on Santa Monica Pier, which is, of course, is where Forrest uh, ran clear of the ocean for the first time. And just like the film, I wasn't tired, so I turned around and kept on going. Then went all the way through Death Valley, uh, like sort of back through, like you know, so went through Tennessee all the way up the eastern seaboard. Uh, did the Boston Marathon and uh, finished in Maine uh, at the Marshall Point Lighthouse um again continued turned around and uh, headed sort of via chicago up via montana 
Um, when you see forest running across that stone bridge, uh, that's in Glacier National Park. And wow. so I obviously wanted to hit that landmark. And the third point where he hits the ocean, no one knows. Like I was taking all my info from the route from a, a rough map behind a newsreader uh, during when they say he's crossing the Mississippi for the fourth time. And so I hit it in Bandon Beach in Oregon. Um, and then the next day competed in the uh, Prefontaine Memorial Race in, uh, wow. in Coos Bay, which was incredible. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I won. <laughs> which, which no way, really? Yeah, yeah. Like sort of up until um, when would it have been September the sixteenth of this year? I was actually Oregon State ten k champion. <laughs> <laughs> no way. They were probably like, I mean, you're you're kind of cheating because you've put on like six thousand miles at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although I think that was slightly like the caveat about the fact that I'd done twenty. Yeah, man. So you were running the Prefontaine, and then what was the the leg after that one? Well, so I sort of, it was a bit weird because I reached the ocean in London, but when you look at the map, it looks like Forest took the uh, West Coast. So I ran down like San Francisco, which yeah, was pretty cool. Uh, on the actual, you know, sort of the ocean road itself, uh, slightly more inland, which meant I got to see, you know, all the maps and things like that, Sequoias. So from San Francisco, I headed sort of over through uh, Tahoe and then along the longest road in America, Nevada, and and then up through Salt Lake City, Wyoming, uh, where it was like that's when I started uh, being chased by the concrete ball of winter, uh, and you know, instead of um, that took me all the way down to uh, South Carolina, and I reached South Carolina this was the before I was due to fly home every now and again I had to go home being from the UK to renew the visa so um, I just got the nick of time and then sort of came back out again um, and then I uh, yeah, trundled across through Atlanta and then basically hit Route 66 in uh, Oklahoma and trundled along the uh, on and off the uh, the interstates and um, got Flagstaff headed north and then Monument Valley it was that's awesome man and then did you like, I guess the ending, when you got to Monument Valley and you got to the point where he stopped, like, how did you handle that? Was someone there to pick you up or, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's amazing, actually. I'd, because, uh, of course, all that area is, like, part of the Navajo Nation. And I'd met uh, a trail runner a few days before. He was just casually running up and down the road all day waiting for me to come. And so he probably covered about 40 miles by the time I found him. He ran a few miles with me and then, and he said, hey, I'll definitely come to the end. And I met a guy the next day in a McDonald's in Kayenta. And uh, he said, oh, yeah. And I said, I've been run the last leg with you. And I was like, it's quite far, man. Because like, this fellow was pretty thick set, you know. And it's just, just like, that's oh, okay. okay. I did 50 miles last weekend. And I was just <laughs> like, right, right, you are. And so those two sort of uh, did the whole of that. Like, sort of last, it was basically a marathon, you know, from Kayenta to the exact point. Uh, strange coincidence that. Um, and then on the way, like a few other people joined us and we were coming over like sort of, uh, this sort of little pass and uh, this French guy wearing a Garmin t-shirt uh, like sort of says, uh, what is going on? And uh, we're just like, oh, well, Chandler, one of the guys, just, this is Forrest Gump. He's running to the thing on the whole. And then he was just like, I have to tell my wife, I am running with you. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we gathered this crew trucks behind sort of you know sort of shielded from the traffic and then we because that meant we could get some kids running with us 
Um, and at the end, uh, sort of, yeah, there must have been about 100 people there, easy. And uh, most importantly of all was uh, my girlfriend, Nadine. Uh, and so from Flagstaff, I'd been carrying a ring in my uh, waist pack. And uh, when I got to the end, I asked her to marry me and she said yes. <laughs> no way, man. That's that's incredible. <laughs> Were you planning that the whole time or did that come up while you're doing it? Uh, it, it sort of it wasn't planned the whole time. I'd thought about it. Now, um, another p- important person who was there at the time was our new daughter, four-week-old baby B. Um, because um, I found out about B when uh, Nadine came out to because I'd I'd been home when I got to Chicago. I had to fly home on another visa mission, uh, and that's uh, so where Baby B happened. Uh, and I found out about it in Minnesota. Now at this point, I'd thought you know, well, well maybe it would be pretty cool to uh, propose at the end. And then I realized that Nadine wasn't going to be able to make the end because um, you know just flying that late in pregnancy, and I was pretty bummed out by that. And so. Um, when I was doing that final leg, I said to her, hey, you know, listen, if I stop about sort of, um, you know, 200 miles from the end and come back, would you come come out with me uh, with, with B? And she was just like, yeah, if we could get a passport and if, if she's allowed to fly. And I was just like, right, I'm going to do that. And so my mission then was in the in the film, like I said, I don't know where this figures come from, but it's sort of widely accepted that Forrest did 15,248 miles. And so I didn't want to go home without having done that distance. And um, so I, my route on the, um, on the final legs, sort it of took a couple of little uh, extra turns and um, yeah, I managed to complete that in a really cool location, actually uh, by the petrified forest national park. And, I reached that sort of on my own, apart from a buddy who was with me taking some photos and had had my own private finish, you know, very much the, you know, wow, this is it, you know, done. Um, and because I knew that the end was going to be a little bit of a, uh, you know, a bit of a frenzy and it yeah. wasn't going to work out exactly how you would imagine it in your mind. Um, but, you know, it worked out. Just like Fleetwood Mac said, you can go your own way, you know, you're at the same spot, but it was it was it was still brilliant and, you know, unique for me. That's awesome, man. Wow, like I mean, there's so many things about your story. I mean, you you got to witness the United States. I mean, you went like like you know, you hear people run across the United States, which is incredible. Like it's an insane feat, but like, you know, they're running off a certain they're running through a certain section, you know, but you got to like yeah. zigzag all across it. So, you know, and then also being someone who's not from here, what was there like, how did your, how did your experience play against your expectations? Uh, a lot better, you know, sort of, yeah. I, I think sort of being not from the States sort of potentially help because I had the, you know, instant icebreaker with people, you know, and so uh, they'd be like, oh, why are you here and stuff? And so I could, you know, go on with that. And I knew people were going to be nice. I've got American friends, you know, sort of the college I went to in London, you know, we, we had a lot of Americans over. So, you know, so it wasn't a unique experience for me, but I did sort of wonder whether the whole have a nice day sort of thing was like, you know, <laughs> a, a bit put on. 
But, you know, maybe it was put on with the odd person who I found who was having a bad day. But the the vast majority of the time, like, it just really was. People couldn't help enough, you know. And so I'd have people like who didn't have a clue what I was doing who'd, like, just stop and go, like, hey, buddy, do you need a ride, you know? And I'd be like, uh, well, I probably do, but I can't accept one. Um, and then, you know, people would, like, put me up in their houses, you know. I'd sometimes, like, you know, go to pay at sort of a diner. And then the you know the lady behind the lace of the till would just go sorry the the guy who you're chatting to has already picked this up and I was like what <laughs> so um, I think with without the the people of the states I definitely couldn't have finished if I if I had an unlimited budget uh, which I definitely didn't um, which you'd think make it easy for you you know so the, if it wasn't for the actual human contact I had it wouldn't have mattered I would have I would have definitely you know chucked it in a lot earlier. Yeah, I love that. I I think that I don't. There's a lot of kind of misperceptions about how people are right now. Um, yeah. With not supporting, but I think like when you meet someone in real life and you hear about their dream and you see someone going going for it and really trying to accomplish it, yeah. I think people are supportive of that because they draw their own strength and inspiration from that. I think it was sort of real because, you know, as you said, you know, you know, I was sort of like an individual sort of, you know, very isolated. And it's, you know, we all know that sort of the dangers, you know, you guys have got sort of your political polarization at the moment. And so do we, you know, sort of over Brexit where, you know, in the past where people would just actually go, I see your point, but this is what I think. But now people just tend to shout at each other. And it's a lot easier to do that sort of, you know, via Twitter or or, you know, some sort of online forum. But this was sort of fantastic in a way. I actually met another guy uh, who was walking from Washington to uh, California. And the purpose of his run was to um, to basically get America talking face to face again, you know, sort of. And, and you find that when that happened, like some days I didn't want to talk to people, you know, so I was so tired or it was cold. And uh, I was maybe staying at someone's house I'd prearranged, uh, you know, sort of a week or so before. And I was thinking, I can't be bothered talking to anyone tonight. I just want to go to bed. But because I'm, you know, so polite, I'll, I'll, I'll make, I'll make conversation. And you know, like a minute into that conversation with the person, I'd be super enthusiastic again because it was just the fact that I thought my body just goes, you don't want to talk to anyone. Whereas in fact, you do. We all were social animals, you know, and and we need to engage more with people. If we engage more and talk more, you know, all the problems of the world are generally through a lack of communication. So um more power to talk is that's what i say yeah how did you handle the moments where you did like when you did have isolation how long between finding someone to talk to did you go uh i'm just trying to think like i I never had a day where i didn't speak to anyone and this includes sort of um you know, so what, for about 50% of the journey, Nadine was actually with me. Uh, so it was more the, the times where I was sort of on my own with the stroller. But um, like the longest stretch I went uh, without any amenities at all was between Salt Lake City. Uh, actually, so it was in the build of the Salt Lake City. It was coming. Uh, and then after I went to a station, there was no like, sort of more gas stations or anything. Like, water stopped 70 miles across the salt flats. But then I'd still see a couple of guys mending a cell phone tower or something like that, you know, and you just make me, <laughs> but we've got social media as well. So even though I didn't necessarily have a huge throng of uh, runners behind me all the time, you know, I could still sort of, you know, liaise 
my following online, you know. So those messages are all the way along are really vital as well, you know. So yeah, man. Uh, what? How did you? So I guess expectations with people, um, but you gotta see so much of this country too. I mean, you gotta go through different climates, different kind of like ecosystems. So what would yeah. you come away with um, in that regard? Well, I think like apart from the Everglades and sort of, you know, I got fairly close with that, like, so, you know, like the, the bayous of like Louisiana and Alabama, you know, I, I pretty much saw everything, you know, sort of yeah. um, like Glacier National Park and sort of, you know, the high plains of Wyoming and Colorado. Um, you know, I absolutely adore the desert, you know, so, and you know, the whole of like West Texas, sort of all the way through to, uh, you know, to the outskirts of LA and then, you know, later on sort of being up in Nevada, you know, I didn't realize Nevada was so hilly, like sort of, it was just like on that highway, highway uh, 50, you know, sort of you're just up and down the whole time, but you know, you, you didn't mind. And, but even in places where like, you know, people go, Oh, Nebraska, Kansas, it's just cornfields and stuff like that. When you're moving at the pace that I was, even though it was sort of not really changing that much, you would see, beauty on a different sort of detail and so i was never like oh this this is awful you know stuff i actually really like that period like stuff yeah. you know and i tell you what like the roads in oklahoma and arkansas were like fantastic for um you know someone doing something like this nice wide shoulders for the stroller you know pretty flat and um the big cities were great you know sort of uh like i lo- loved to I, I don't know maybe special mentions to like austin nashville chicago you know sort of uh three cool cities and just i i, I love small town america as well i'm not actually sure sort of which danville you're from but like i did <laughs> see signs to a couple of danvilles on the There's way a lot and of them, so, man. yeah I'm actually, so we, we moved from Danville. I live in Colorado now, but we were living in Danville, Virginia for quite a while. Oh uh, yeah. I, well, I definitely would have gone reasonably close to that. I didn't go like sort of that way, but like sort of, I was heading sort of a, you know, in the Afton area and like sort of, you know, up to yeah. Roanoke. Oh, that's and, cool. It's a beautiful area. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. I had a really nice time there, you know, stuff. And, um, like Colorado, like, so I didn't actually, I wasn't originally going to have too much of Colorado because I had a choice um, and I just realized I was rolling the dice. I would love to have gone sort of over the sort of, you know, roughly where would it be? Would it be 40? I oh, know. Maybe. I don't know. Whichever one it was. Uh, but like going through um, Denver. Yeah. I just realized if the snow came, I was just going to be in complete trouble. So I went up to Wyoming um and then i just found out the weather was going to be a little bit bad further east and so i thought well i'll drop down and then i realized i could actually get fort collins as well and so um fort collins was fantastic actually i could live there (laughs) oh for sure yeah it's awesome man i'm originally from iowa too so and like i was i was curious like where did you cross the mississippi river um first time was on highway 90 uh baton rouge um second time would have uh, second time was memphis uh you know going from arkansas to memphis third time was um that was quite high it was up in sort of uh, going from uh wisconsin into uh, minnesota i think winona um and fourth time now this is an important one because that's when forrest got caught um you know by the reporters they asked him, are you running for world peace, women's rights, the homeless, the environment and animals? And so that's what actually dictated my final choice of charities. So 
World Wildlife Fund uh, covers the environment and animals and uh, an awesome charity that you should check out called Peace Direct um, would basically take care of all the world peace, the homelessness and uh, and women's rights. So it's just, you know, it wasn't that I just felt like running. I felt like running to make a difference. Yeah. And uh, But that, that was in St. Louis, because if you look at the newsreader's uh, map, it looks like it's roughly around St. Louis. And so uh, I, I did that there. I, I only had one report and he wasn't running after me. He just had a camera on a tripod and uh, <laughs> it was just me. But um, when I got to South Carolina, I got to a town called Beaufort. And that's where they actually filmed that scene. So it wasn't over the Mississippi at all. It was over the Harbour River. And we did, with the help of like sort of a local photography student and the local running club, we recreated that scene in, in its entirety. There's actually some cool photos of that comparing mine and Forrest's scene. Um, and then the final time, again, uh, for a slightly different route, but uh, we came up from Mississippi and went across uh, by the big river crossing in Memphis again. So... That was my final time, but um, I actually didn't get to Iowa. Iowa, West Virginia, and South Dakota were the three contiguous states I didn't run through, and and I well, so I didn't get to, um, and I only transited in a, and ate donuts in Florida and Rhode <laughs> Island. They, they were my five states. So I didn't actually. I I could see Rhode Island uh, from from uh, from the road I was running on. Uh, but I, I, sort of a, I don't think sort of trespassing is as well tolerated in the States as it is in the UK. And so uh, I didn't go across some guy's field. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's oh, wow. OK, so what what kind of mileage were you putting on every day? Like, did you have a goal where you're like, I got to get this amount of miles or was it more kind of fluid, I guess? It was often dictated sort of a, I could maybe be a little bit more regular sort of when Nadine was out with the RV because, you know, we were always able to say, okay, well, we've, we've got here, you know, it's 10 miles to where we're going to stay tonight, whether that's a Walmart car park or whether that was a, um, you know, an RV park or something. Um, but like when I was on my own, it was very much dictated about where I was going to get to that evening. And so, of course, when... Um, we're in places like Wyoming that literally wouldn't be anything for 40 miles. So you'd be like, right, this is it. I'll get stocked up at the start of the day. And then you would go and you would have to hit that mileage. And I think like some of my biggest mileage in a day was like 63. Um, and sort of, um, yeah, like so most of the time I would probably, I think, well, I think the average was around 37 miles a day. Um, which I, I sort of felt like I could have run more, but I would have missed out on talking to people because I'm, you know, as you can tell, I'm a fairly chatty guy and I'd have hated to have been in that situation where I was talking to someone and said, sorry, man, I've got, I've got a 50 mile average to keep up here. You know, the numbers weren't important to me. It was the uh, it was the destination sort of and, you know, the gradual sort of progress towards that and the people I met that was important to me. Yeah. Yeah. Was there is there any day that really stands out as being a really tough or difficult day? Uh, my first big injury, uh, I got tendonitis in my anterior tibial muscle, which is just to the outside of your shin, and it had been bothering me for a bit. And then sort of, a, it actually progressed into the full blown. You could hit, feel the tendon sheath creaking in my leg, and I just, you know, thought this is eight weeks out, and then possible recurrence. And 
uh, a lady in the gas station sort of asked what I was doing and I handed her the last handwritten card that I'd made with my details on and, and um, I sort of you know your subconscious is a horrible thing sometimes and it just whispered to me that's the last one you ever write and I just completely broke down and like she gave me a hug and I went outside and sort of you know just had a, a you know a good old sob to myself and because um, that was only 500 miles in and even though that's quite you know a, wow you ran 500 miles you yeah. know sort of uh, you know even the proclaimers went 500 more didn't they so um i just got on with it and like sort of sort of great physical therapist and um i got lucky to be honest so that that was um you yeah. know sort of one of one of the, the the bad times um you know sometimes it would just be your mind playing tricks with you it'd be a lovely sunny day you know running through somewhere nice and you'd been well rested and sort of well fed but you were you were just lonely you know um so that was tough you know um and sort of when Nadine left uh, to come, we basically just we ran out of money or we were in the process of running out of money. Um, and so she had to leave when we were around Nashville. And so that was tough seeing her go, especially because it was the first time me going solo. Uh, you know, so that was completely, um, you know, I, I'm not the sort of the typical guy who when he gets a new gadget will, you know, read the manual and, and be obsessed with it. I had this stroller. And um, the only time I pushed it was a day when I was laid up about three days before uh, before Nadine went with a with a ruptured quad. Uh, wow. <laughs> and I thought I, I should maybe sort of see if I could use this as a bit of a walking frame. <laughs> yeah, dang man, how long does that take to get over? Uh, amazingly, not that long. Sort of, a, I only had two complete days off, and then. The day after that, I walked 27 miles. I think I did 33 miles walking the next day. And then I gradually started to introduce, you know, say, hey, I'd walk the first three miles. Then I'd run half a mile and I'd walk one. And then suddenly I would walk one and then run. Uh, sorry, uh, run run one and walk half. And uh, I genuinely found at the end um, the balance that allowed me to cover the most miles and sort of still recover the next day was to run for two and a half miles, walk for half and repeat that, you know, sort of, you know, three to five or six times and then have a break. So, you know, those ex those half miles of walking were great because it actually allowed you to take your photos and just enjoy yourself, you know. So, um I, I got really lucky with injuries. Uh, I think they're, they're sort of all coming home to roost a little bit now. Like, sort of, uh, I think I've got a lot of tightness in, uh, you know, sort of my core. But, uh, I, I came back to the UK and I tried to sort of instantly run quick again. Uh, and that hasn't gone so well. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm now rehabbing. Wow. So how how do you, how did you handle maybe the moments of, I almost want to say like boredom possibly or the moments where you are hurt and you're having to walk a lot more than you probably want to. Like, what do you, how do you change your mindset in that, in yeah. those instances? Uh, having the first injury really helped, you know, and the fact that sort of, uh, I knew that sort of, I, I was still making progress and it just, as long as the pain wasn't getting worse, I was thinking, well, I'm not doing myself any harm. I think I, I could have sort of been, oh, yeah, I'd have just been sensible. If it, the pain was getting worse and worse and worse, I would have just had to stop. So uh, I listened to a lot of music um, on, on the run. I used to, you know, generally apart from the first run of every day when it was, you know, nice to listen to a bit of nature before everybody else uh, got up and about. 
Um, yeah, I, I, music would mostly sort of pass the time away. I did listen to sort of some podcasts and, and I was thinking about books, but because the scenery was so great and you'd be meeting people, you'd suddenly just realise that you'd not listened to anything for the last five minutes, you know, yeah. so... Um, I, I found that sort of during the course of the the, uh, the run, because quite often my days, despite, you know, you would see different things, they were very much a case of, you know, wake up, eat, run, eat, run, eat, run, sleep. Um, and so my variables were low, but I would find, you know, what I was saying before about sometimes you'd be really down on a day that everyone would be like, hey, man, this is a perfect day. Some days I would be like sort of, um, you know, just on cloud nine, despite there being a lot more than nine clouds in the air and then dumping <laughs> rain on me, you know, and uh, me being hungry, not having anywhere to stay. And I just realized there's probably just some sort of hormonal or psychological, you know, just roller coaster that just happens despite anything. And so because I was on a roller coaster, I knew that whenever it was a low, there was also going to be a high coming. So I just say to myself, you know, tomorrow's going to be better. And as a result, that would also improve your current day because you were like, oh, okay, well, this isn't going to be as bad tomorrow. And then so you'd be in a better mood then, which, and then the next day it would be better just because it was, you know, something that was internal and nothing yeah. actually you know, that you could do to stop it. And um, yeah, you just enjoy the highs and you set yourself little goals. You know, um, you know the the big goal I didn't think about that often, apart from maybe closer to the end, just because it was so unrealistic. Um, but I, you know, I got to an ocean. You know, I sort of uh, my first crossing. I was like, well, I've got to get to LA because that's where I'm flying home from. Um, and then crossing the state line you know just getting to a cool town sometimes even just getting to lunch you know knowing that you'd, you'd eaten really badly for a you know sort of a few days or maybe that night you knew there was a great mexican restaurant in town and you were definitely going to go there and get yourself a motel and go this is great um you basically goals at every step yeah. would, would help me yeah man did uh well it's interesting you talk about like the self-fulfilling prophecy thing where it's like hey if I tell myself this is going to be a good day, I'm probably going to start noticing the things around me that make that like boost my mood, you know? Yeah. Um, which is interesting. Was there any of it? Like, I mean, running for a higher purpose, a higher cause, like your charities, did that ever? Well, I mean, that's like a really good kind of fallback when you get into those bad moods. Yeah, exactly. That was that was the reason sort of why I'd, I'd set myself this the, the task of, you know, sort of, uh, I didn't mind. Well, of course I would mind, but it's, it's all well and good with hindsight. Now I can go, I didn't mind quitting if I'd completely ran out of money or if I'd broke my leg and I had to stop. But one thing I was never going to do with the charities, just because, to be honest, if, if they mean a lot to me, which they do, for me to just go, oh, hey, there's a really good concert in New York this weekend. Maybe I should just get to the nearest Greyhound station, and just do that and then go home. You know, it doesn't really speak a lot of my, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of my relationship with them. And so I said the only way I'm ever going to quit on a sort of on a decision basis is if I just have seven days in a row where I'm just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this, you know. So, and I think the furthest I ever got down the road was like sort of day three, but you would start thinking at that point, wow, could could this be the end of it? And so you'd use all your tricks. And then I think just um, knowing that the sort of support that they gave me, like sort of, um, you know, they, they were really sort of, you know, keen for me to get to the end. I just thought I can't let them down. And so um, I'm, I'm glad it didn't get that far, but there was no, there was no plan to quit. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. So a couple of real quick questions to kind of like wrap it up here. Um, 
first of all, how when did the beard start growing and like how long how long has that taken? Because you yeah, straight I, up look like Forrest Gump no, at the end. Yeah, right now, yeah. Um, I went into a barbershop in Mobile the day before uh, I was due to start, and I had like sort of you know maybe collar length hair at that point and sort of you know a a slight beard but nothing you know sort of um not nothing remarkable um and i just went in and basically i showed the guy the photo and he was like you want a high and tight and i'm like eh, if that's what it's called mate yeah and he was like are you kidding me man and so uh, yeah the, the hair hit the floor and then i basically the only thing that's been touched since and i still have the beard because the work isn't done yet until i hit my charity goal sort of uh, you know i'm always sort of up for a new adventure um and yeah i've just trimmed the mustache to stop me uh basically inhaling uh my <laughs> facial hair along with my burgers and things like that on on the way around and so yeah the the beard's been with me for over two years and all of the well 15,607 miles of the run. Yeah, man. I got to I got to like that makes the movie even more impressive to me because I'm like they really figured out what a beard and hair would look like after however many. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, "Wow, they like did their research." Yeah, no, man. Like the bear, like, I- I think sort of what they've actually really done quite cleverly is because my hair wasn't as long as Forrest at the end of the run, but my beard was definitely as big. Yeah. My beard sort of got to a terminal length now. And so when it just seems to, you know, occasionally I'll find a 10 inch beard hair on the floor and I'll be like, <laughs> no, you're two years old. Um, but my hair's still growing, you know. So, yeah, they're quite smart about that. And um course you know you mentioned before does run forest run still exist and yes it does and you got to remember that you know you're 13 13 year old seven graders you know this film is like 12 years older than them next year you know it's 25 years that's uh, what older blows my mind year. when they say yeah. it i'm like wait you guys realize like this is a movie like wait like almost twice as old as you yeah exactly like so i you know i was born in 78 so it actually made me the same age that Tom Hanks was when he did Forrest Gump, uh, when I started the run and we were both 38. Um, and I thought I was pretty cool, you know, being into the original Star Wars, which was one year before I was born. Like, you know, I need to actually look up a film that was from 1966, you there know, you since, <laughs> see, see if I'm still in. Maybe, maybe I'll do that and uh, I'll... Uh... <laughs> yeah i've watched that yeah. but um yeah so the big sort of question is obviously what's next you know as i said the mission is not finished yet and so um in april of next year i'm going to be running the marathon day Saab, uh which oh, is the yeah man that's yeah, awesome you know the score mate. you're not running yourself heck yeah <laughs> that's sweet across the sahara that's the one yeah and so it, it's what it's one of the select group of races in the world that could get in a decent barroom discussion over am i the toughest in the world you know so we'll find that out you know yeah. and um i might still answer the question of obviously you see forrest turn around and um and he and he heads back you know sort of uh, towards those monuments uh but where did he go next and so like you know i'm pretty much qualified now to write that route and so we might find that out in the future. Watch this space. That rocks, man. That rocks. Well, real quick, did you do you think Tom Hanks knows about this? I don't think he does. <laughs> you gotta reach out to Tom Hanks, man. We, we we tried, we tried, we tweeted him, uh, but you know, there's no way that he does his own social media. And um apparently so we got hold of an agent uh and they said no, nothing's gonna happen with this, but 
I just know the way Tom Hanks is. If he'd have found out right. about this, he'd have, he'd have definitely. I don't think he'd have come and run with me, but I think he'd have sent me an uh, an email or That's something. That's what I'm so, saying, you know, man. Yeah, Tom Hanks is the best. So I'm yeah. like, I'm <laughs> sure if Tom Hanks heard about this, like something would happen so that's that's awesome yeah what okay so and then what's besides forrest gump do you have a favorite hanks movie uh I, i'm a bit of a sucker for big uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Classic. i i ran past two zoltar machines on the uh on the, on the room but i didn't really you know I, I saw the way that could go and i didn't really have the bottle to uh to put my uh quarter in but um yeah. I actually ran past, you know, uh, the crossroads in Castaway. Yeah. Uh, that's that's in a place called Mobiti in Texas, and so I ran past that crossroads and oh, to wow. the uh, to the ranch house uh, where he eventually, we assume, lived happily ever after. So there was a an homage within an homage there. Wow. So that's cool. You man. never know. Yeah, you got to whole 60 degrees of separation. There's definitely going to be someone listening to this who knows someone who knows Tom Hanks that so we can rock. pass it down the line. <laughs> yes. You got to you you already have the beard. So I was going to suggest a castaway situation next, but <laughs> as long as just behind the row of palm trees it was a nice like five-star <laughs> hotel with a swimming pool and there uh, and and daiquiris, you know, so I can handle that, but I'm not sure about the raft building the sea sort of frightens me a little. <laughs> why whenever i reach the ocean i always turn back around and went the other way there you go man there you go well rob thank you so much for coming on the show man like i am just fascinated by this whole journey and and yeah man i'll reach out i, I would love to talk to you uh before or after marathon to sob because that's kind of like a thing that is obviously just a legendary event so yeah man i'd love, love to come back on chat with you again cool man we'll have a good one great so catch you soon cheers yeah. oh wait hey rob sorry yeah. Bad podcast host here. Real quick, where can people find your information, where to support yeah. you? I'll link it all in the show notes. Yeah, so uh, my website that's got a, a donation button, because that's the most important thing for everyone who's listening, um, is www.goingthedistancerun.com. Um now that's not goingthedistance.com because I'm pretty sure uh, that's like a Chevy dealership in Iowa. So make sure it's goingthedistancerun.com. Um, and yeah, and so if you're wondering, people like sort of one pound is about one dollar twenty. So you know, spare as many as you can. Awesome, man. Well, I'll be visiting that later today, my man. So thank you so thank you. much, and uh, we'll get back at you at some point. Brilliant. Catch you later. Yep. All right. Huge thanks to Rob. Uh for coming on the show taking this time to talk with me uh, one more time you can find out all of his information at going the distance run.com or follow him at social media at run dot robla dot run um what a story like it has so many elements that i love uh some you know someone who is doing this incredibly impossible thing. I mean, if you look at it, if you're just like, I'm going to go out my door and do Forrest Gump's run. It's over. It's, it has to be overwhelming. Um, so it has that element. I mean, you got the Tom Hanks element. We all love Tom Hanks. Best Tom Hanks movie. The burbs, obviously. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyways, <laughs> So you got the Tom Hanks element, um, which, you know, it's, and then also you just got this thing, like it's buried, Forrest Gump's run is like buried in the consciousness of 
our culture, right? It's buried in our pop culture. Everyone knows Forrest Gump's run, um, you know, and if you asked most people, especially most people who don't even know about ultra running or don't even know about people who have ran across the United States, they would be like, oh, yeah, that was that was some made up nonsense. Yeah. Forrest Gump run. He ran for three years and he ran across the United States five times. Uh, that's just made up, made up stuff. And then you're like, well, here's Rob. Here's this guy who actually did it. And I think most people, rightfully so, would be completely in awe of him, including me. I'm, I, I'm completely in awe of him. And I love the story. Um, I think there's really important things for us to learn and understand from his experience. I mean, the fact that he was able to do it on the support of other humans. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than that. And there's nothing more important for us to understand. You know, I think it's, it's something that's kind of like reaffirming in humanity that most people when meeting someone who's trying something like this are supportive. You know, you meet someone in person, you support them. You meet someone who's going after this big goal. Like people are going to try to help in any way they possibly can, because I think part of it is because they almost want to feel a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, and that for me, like the other part is I just want to see people do some super cool stuff, you know, um, which is really cool because I think it's it's easy to like, especially in this day where we're online a lot. A lot of us are online a lot. It's really easy to kind of lose a little bit of that humanity where it's a lot easier to not support somebody when you're not they're not standing right in front of you you know what i mean it's really it's probably really easy to write a youtube comment uh but it's probably a lot harder to look that person in the face and uh and criticize them or be like i'm not supporting you um that that generally doesn't happen and it's just it made me smile when Rob said that, when Rob said that the best part of his whole race was all the people who who supported him along the way. Like, that kind of is one of those heartwarming things. Um, so I love that aspect of the story. And I also, you know, like I said, it seems overwhelming to go out and <laughs> run 15,000 miles. I mean, dude, some days it seems overwhelming to be like, I'm going to go for a four-mile run. That seems overwhelming to me some days. I can't even imagine what being like, I'm going to go out and run across America five times. Came and, you know, what does that feel like? Uh, and so it has this, also this element of just getting it done. Like, you just go out and you, you get it done day after day. And you set little goals along the way. You tell yourself, okay, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to run for the first five miles. That's the goal one. And then I'm going to get to this town. That's goal two. And then I'm going to get to dinner, goal three. And then I'm going to get to where I'm staying, goal four. You know, you break it down into little steps. And you just get it done. Um, 
you know, and I really thought that was that was so cool about his story. He just woke up every day and he just got it done. Um, and I'm saying this <laughs> as I record the intro and outro to this. It's Friday morning at like 445 in the morning. And I, you know. I have my own self-set deadline for these podcasts. And I'm like, okay, I want to get the podcast out Friday before I go to work. So it's 4.45 in the morning. I didn't want to wake anyone in the house by talking. So I'm out in the front of my driveway in my car at 4.45 in the morning recording this intro. Because I just got to I, I need to get it done. <laughs> So on a minuscule level, I can totally relate to Rob uh, when it comes down to that. And I think that's an important lesson to take away. Whatever your goal is, it, it might be something incredibly lofty. It might just be something you do every week, like, you know, get this podcast done or go to three yoga classes or whatever, whatever your goal is. I don't know. Uh, but the idea is that you just... Uh, you just go out and you try to get it done uh, at the end of the day, which is super cool. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I hope Tom Hanks somehow hears Rob's story. You know, I feel like Tom Hanks, if he heard Rob's story, would definitely send him a letter or, uh, you know, give him a call. You know, whatever. Tom Hanks seems like the coolest dude in the whole entire world. You know what I mean? Um, so, so yeah. Uh, I also want to give a huge shout-out and a thanks to uh, Chancy Knights. She sent me a message on Facebook, and she suggested that I talk to Rob. Um, kind of gave me his uh, email address and how to connect it with him. So, that was super cool. Um, like I said, I some of the my favorite interviews from the show have been people who other people have suggested to me um who I didn't really know much about beforehand so thank you so much uh I said Chansey it very well could be Chauncey <laughs> so if I mess that up I apologize um but yeah if you guys are out there and you're like wow I know someone cool too I should email you know I should try to connect him like dude I'm totally open so send me a message on Facebook we have a like a Bigfoot page or on Instagram uh, also like a Bigfoot so uh, or like a Bigfoot at gmail.com but anyways guys thanks for listening I hope you guys enjoyed the episode I really really enjoyed it uh, and I hope you guys have a wonderful week all right guys we'll get back at you next time see ya